Good morning. What a week it has been. Um, and I'm not just talking about Westminster. I'm also thinking about the coalition-led airstrikes that killed hundreds of civilians in Iraq. I think it's very easy to get caught up in what's happened here. That's not to dismiss that what happened here with us in our own country is different from what happens in other countries. But particularly this morning, I want to think about our response as Christians and to really put out the challenge there of what it means to live out our faith, not just speak it, not just read it, but live it out. And for me particularly during this time of Lent, my challenge to myself was to take up the practical, outworking, the living of being a Christian. Because I myself must confess that I've been living just by speaking. Um, because it's so easy to do when you're in a position of ministry within church just to get up every week and talk about it. Because that's what you do. You're used to talking and telling people how they should live. And yet, reflecting upon my own life, I thought maybe this Lent I should actually try living it and uh, doing a better job uh, of living out what it means to actually be a Christian. So this morning, I'm going to be converted by my own sermon like John Wesley, um, hopefully. But I read this passage, and um, yes, it does relate to Mothering Sunday in some sort of way, and uh, hopefully that will be clear. But this passage is full of little you know, meat on the bones that I hope we can get our teeth into this morning and, and take little pieces with us, little nuggets that we can use in our daily lives. So I've called it With Christ, In Christ, and For Christ. So there are four main things that I'm going to look at this morning. But firstly, hospitality to strangers. Secondly, empathy for those who are in prison and those who have been mistreated. Thirdly, the respect of the, your marriage vows. Not mine, because I'm not married. And uh, fourth, uh, contentment with what we have. So really, when we are for Christ, when we have an empathy, we are thinking about those who are in a lesser place than we are, so, or in a, you know, a, a worse off position than ourselves. And those passages speak about putting ourselves in other people's shoes. So for example, thinking about those who are in prison. What would it look like you know, for me to be in prison? How would I feel if I was in prison? Or how would I feel if I was suffering? So this passage is calling for us uh, to think and to empathize, not just to sympathize or to feel sorry for somebody, which is easy to do. I feel sorry for you, I'll pray for you. Uh, no, I empathize with that. How, do, how would it feel if I was in that person's shoes? So there's a call for that. Uh, Jesus said that his followers would represent him when they would visit prisons, look out for the widowed, look out for the marginalized in society, compassion for suffering people.
And when it comes to marriage, giving honor to marriage requires the utmost in Christian conviction and sensitivity. The modern social theory may redefine the family. What is society pressurizing upon the Christian marriage for today? What is the postmodern society saying about what marriage is? How is society defining marriage? And what is Christ and, and Bible, uh, a biblical definition of marriage? So it's really important that in these passages that we are asking ourselves, what is a biblical meaning and definition of a Christian marriage? Um, and what can we do about that? Uh, witness to the depth of God's love by keeping our marriages happy and strong, remaining faithful in body and in mind, and praying for our spouses, and also for those of us who are not yet married, praying for who you know, God might be calling us to marry. You know? So uh, pray for me. Um, um, and then looking at um, how we can be content with what we already have. Uh, and Paul the Apostle says about being content with having a lot and having a little. It's very easy to be in a place of uh, superiority and uh, put other people in a place of inferiority, as it were. So times I've got onto the tube in the underground in London and thought, I look really good today. What on earth are they wearing? And within a second, I've looked at someone else and gone, oh gosh, what are they wearing? Wow, I wish I looked like that this morning. So it's very easy to look at people and think in one moment, oh, I feel a bit superior to them because they don't look so good this morning. And then within seconds, you feel inferior because they look superior. But actually, we must think in a place of interiority, not placing any thought about having a lot or having a less, or having less, but being content. Interiority, what internally, internal contentment, a word I've just, phrase I've just made up. Um, so how can we learn to be satisfied with what we have and strive to live with less rather than desiring more, you know, and, and, and give away out of our, um, give away to others out of our abundance rather than accumulating more. Uh, so relishing uh, what we have rather than resenting what we're missing. In Christ, we must become satisfied when we realize that God is sufficient for all our needs, that Christ is enough. The Bible talks about how he supplies all our, um, all our needs according to his riches in glory. That means that there is a box probably in heaven marked X, and your needs according to his glory here on earth are in that box marked X. And so we need to think and align ourselves with uh, what God is asking us to do, what his will is, and know that he can meet our needs. And um, 
that's where our satisfaction comes from with with Christ not the material but you know what God is giving us by the power of the Holy Spirit regardless of whether we have a lot or have a little we acknowledge that God is all that we need that Christ is all that we need our faith is not built on a materialistic world and the question is would our faith remain if we lost everything today if we lost everything in our you know I would say what we're a very affluent society we have a lot to be thankful for but if we lost it all would our faith remain that's a question to really think about and ponder within your heart this morning and within my own heart in Christ we must trust God to provide all our needs in Christ God's love is expressed through what he has provided for us there are many blessings we can think about of what you know of the things that God has given us most importantly remember uh, that money and possessions will pass away but that God's love for us will never fade and that example is shown by Christ's death upon the cross growing up as a Christian I owe so much to others for what they have taught and modeled for me in terms of what I need to know about the good news and the gospel of Christ and uh, what it means to live out the Christian faith mainly because of how they have treated me not what they have said necessarily but what they have done so this passage is encouraging us to follow and continue following the good example of those who have invested in us and invested in our lives through evangelism, through service, and even Christian education. And our human leaders, or our world leaders, who have a lot to offer us, but they must keep in mind that they should keep their eyes on Christ, who is our ultimate leader, uh, and the leader of our faith, and the leader who does not change. Many politicians change their minds and their ways after election time, but uh, thank God that we have a God who does not change, and there is who in whom we put our trust, in Christ, who does not change, who's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Now we get into the complex bit about the Jewish traditions of the time um, and apparently someone was teaching that keeping the Old Testament laws and rituals such as not eating certain foods is uh, not important for your salvation well they thought that eating foods or particular foods was important for your salvation but the writer of Hebrews says that that's not really that important because eating foods won't save your spiritual soul only Jesus you know, he who gives the bread of life is our salvation and our redeemer. So these laws 
were absolutely useless for conquering a person's evil thoughts and desires. The laws could influence conduct, but they could not change the heart. Lasting changes in conduct begin the Holy Spirit's work in our lives and in each person. The Jewish Christians in this passage were being ridiculed and persecuted by Jews who did not believe in Jesus the Messiah. Most of the book of Hebrews tells them how Christ is greater than the sacrificial system. Here the writer drives home the point of his lengthy argument. It may be necessary to leave the camp and suffer with Christ. To be outside the camp meant to be unclean in the days of Exodus. For those who were ceremonially unclean, staying outside of the camp. For us, Jesus suffered humiliation and uncleanness outside Jerusalem on our behalf. Question. Do we treat church sometimes as a place which is so holy and unclean and, and clean and that those who are outside our camp of church as unclean and unholy? Maybe they view that that way, that those outside of church feel that they're so unclean and unholy that they couldn't possibly come into a church camp. Do we wear masks? On, wear masks on Sunday morning hiding who we really are can we truly come to church as we are because I know that I am far from where I would like to be in Christ and I know that I am far from being holy and being clean even as I stand here but I know that through Christ's righteousness I am made clean and that through his grace, he sees me as clean. But I am in this camp, and I am out the camp. And we become all things to all people. In, and that, hopefully, in doing so, some may know Christ. We must declare our loyalty this morning to Christ above all other loyalties to choose who to follow and to also accept the inevitable suffering that might entail that will follow as a result of following Christ. Recently, actually, more than most weeks for some strange reason, Every time that I've mentioned that I work for the church or that I'm a Christian, I seem to get into some kind of theological debate with somebody out of, which isn't even out of my own choosing. They start a debate, and I kind of think, I just want to drink my cup of tea, thank you. Um, but there is something about saying that you're a Christian which really prods at society today. What is it? Is it because they disagree so strongly with Christianity? 
Why is it that I can talk about my favorite public speaking club, Toastmasters, and not get a response like that, and yet I say that I'm a part of a community of Christians and get a kind of, you know, almost out of hurt and pain that people experience. They kind of want to, to kind of argue a point. That says a lot about an individual maybe, something they're going through. And so I try not to take it personally, but try to understand that actually we all have something in our lives that can trigger a response even from, from myself. But where do our loyalties lie? Even when we are persecuted or put down for having our faith. We need to move outside the safe confinement of our past traditions and ceremonies and move forward and into Christ. What is holding us back from complete loyalty to Jesus? With Christ, Christians love their families, spouses, jobs, and churches. And yet our sights are still set beyond the horizon of what is to come. That future community, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. The heaven which is to come. With Christ, Christians are activists invested in witnessing to a needy world. That's why it is so important that we don't only focus on our internal issues, but we think about those beyond our, wall, our, our four walls and our community. And actually the church is known for its response to international issues. And if it were not for the church, think how bad things could be. And yet, we do not let our right hand see what our left hand is doing. Christians, and with Christ, Christians are gardeners and builders, shaping environments, turning weed pits into floral displays. Happy Mother's Day. Painting and patching in in areas. But we know that God is building something far more beautiful and breathtaking for us all. Christians should be characterized by building God's kingdom here, giving all a glance or a glimpse of the future kingdom to come. We should not be attached to this world because all that we have here is temporary. We should not love our present home so much that we lose sight of God's blessing. 
as it said, don't store up treasure here. Store them in heaven. And our lips for Christ. Our lips should confess God's name in praise. Yet in a typical day, I myself am aware of things I might say and think, gosh, I shouldn't have bitten that person back like that. I shouldn't have said that. I shouldn't have thrown my toys out the pram there when I'm about to go and tell some young people about Jesus. So out of the same mouth flows cursing, and out of the same mouth flows praising to God. So there is a challenge for us all, and very much a challenge for myself. Christians should turn their frequency towards praise for Christ. In the morning, in the middle of the day, and at the end of a busy day as business winds down. Offering Jesus our continual sacrifice of praise. The passage talks about and reminds us of the prophet Hosea's words, forgive all our sins and graciously receive us so that we may offer you our praises. Today, the sacrifice of praise would include thanking Christ for his sacrifice on the cross and telling others about its acts of kindness and his acts of kindness and sharing, sharing his love with all, even when it goes unnoticed. And finally, the task of church leaders is to help everybody to mature in their Christian spirituality. We have a very diverse church here at Milford Baptist, from Catholic, Roman Catholic through to Pentecostal. There is a wide range of denominations. And so, as leaders, I think we should be conscious that MBC is a place in which we can help every individual grow in their spirituality and their walk with Christ. This is not an easy task, as we all have different preferences as to how we would like things to be. But it is all about helping each other, helping one another to grow in our faith, to challenge each other, to say, hey, 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 James, as Becky usually does on a Friday night after a session, don't you think it's a bit ironic that you said this and then did this? Yes. <laughs> and I stand corrected. And I get pulled up. And I allow myself to be in that position of being accountable to my wider team. And so we should all be accountable to one another as brothers and sisters. Cooperative followers greatly ease the burden of leadership. Does your conduct give your leaders reason to report joyfully about you? 
the writer recognizes the need for prayer. For Christ, Christian leaders are especially vulnerable to criticism from others. Pride if we succeed, depression if we should fail, and do not forget the enemy who is in constant effort to destroy all the work we do for God. The leaders in our church have been placed in a position by a loving God who has entrusted them with the responsibility for caring for us all as a congregation. We need your prayers. Challenge, question, for whom should you pray for? So, in conclusion, to summarize, with Christ, show hospitality to strangers. For Christ, have empathy for those who are in prison and those who have been mistreated. Have empathy. Put yourself in that person's shoes. Have respect for your marriage vows. And in Christ, be content with what you have. Amen.